Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. So, um, good morning again. Um, if you haven't met me or I haven't introduced myself to you, I have a lot of names, but my, f- my favorite one is Bonza. So if you call me Bonza, I'll be very happy. B-O-N-Z-A. So, we are currently in a series um, on a letter that was written by Paul, um, the first Corinthians. So the name of our series is called Mercy Grace. Um, so Stephen, um, a.k.a. Steve Volvo, as I call him, came here two weeks ago and, ex- and actually showed us that this church was actually a real church. It had real issues, and it was also blessed tremendously um, by the grace of God, and, and also with knowledge and, and gifts. Um, and last week, I thought it was going to be a honeymoon. <laughs> when One came and was preaching, and he titled his sermon, Greetings. I was like, we're just going to come and sit and just hear Paul greeting us. Then we go home, and we expect this week to start to get sticky. But it actually got very sticky very quickly. Um, so, so if you missed out on last week, um, I will try to wrap up a bit on that. Um, so... So what we're going to do this morning, we're not going to read the passage beforehand, uh, so we're actually going to go through the passage. Um, So I'll just pray for us, um, and we'll get to work. So let's bow our heads as we pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. It's just a great privilege um, to together as your children and together around your word. And Lord, we thank you that you love us. You haven't left us guessing um, about who you are. And Lord, you, you didn't even leave, leave us guessing about how much you love us. Lord, you've, you've sent your son that he come to display the amazing love that you have for us. And him dying at the cross and inviting everyone who wants to have fellowship with you. So even this morning, we want to reflect at that and thank you and praise you, Lord, that you love us so much. Uh, you love us enough um, to have us dining with you. For eternity. So this morning is yours. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you may work in our hearts, that you may show us um, how much we need your work in us. So Lord, take these words um, as you've given us, and Lord, show us how much we need you and how much you love us. So we pray this in Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. So last week, as I've said, we ended up when Paul was greeting us. (laughs) So after the greetings, he he then begins with an appeal, all right? So he takes the role of an older brother. So he, he addressed the church. He says, brothers, uh, which can only be translated as brothers and sisters. So he ages them. He exhorts them in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And even at that time when Paul is appealing, you, you can tell that what is coming next is actually going to be very weighter. You know, some... Translations, um, they, they use the terms, I beg you, and, and some say, I plead with you. So that is Paul appealing to the church in Corinth. But then he goes further and he, he appeals by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So at this time, he is he's using the Lord's authority just to quicken the importance of what is to say. So at this time, you're like, whatever, Paul, that you want 
to say, I am listening. You've already begged me and you said, even in the name of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Okay. So, so then he goes, he says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. So after that amazing greeting, how can a church sanctified in Christ, as we saw in verse 1, a church that has received the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which we saw last week in verse 4, a church that has been enriched in all speech and knowledge, in verse 6, a church that is not lacking in any gift, verse 6, how can this church be divided? It just doesn't make sense. But then in, 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 in verse 11, we, we see that Paul received a report from the close people saying that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. Folks, the Corinthian church was having arguments, you know, quarreling, and some of the church folks today, they call it heated debates or discussions because the word arguing is too harsh. So they're arguing about their leaders, like who is the greatest of them all, who's worthy of them following. So, so you, you actually have the heavyweights here. You, you, you have Paul, you have Apollos, you've got Cephas, who we know that this is Peter. All right. So these are other renowned men of God. All right. So let, let, let me just quickly give you their CV. So let's start with Paul. Paul is the church planter, right? So he's planting churches here and there, here and there. And this guy, at one time, he was beaten and left f- for dead. But he just woke up, went to the next place, and he was preaching. You know, he was sent into jail, and even in the prison, he's still writing the gospel that we read about today. You know, so he wrote most of the New Testament letters, and he's the one that even planted this church. You know, this guy is playing in the masters, if you know what I mean. Then the second chap is Apollos. So Luke actually gave us a nice resume of, of Apollos in Acts 18. So he says, now a, a Jew named Apollos, all right? So that's in Acts 18, verse 24 to 26. A native of Alexandra came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and talked and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak, to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. This guy was amazing. Look at him. He was an eloquent man, great speaker. He was competent in scriptures. He knew the Old Testament very well. And he even taught accurately. 
But what blew my mind was the last part that he was teachable even by women. You know, so, so for most guys in the church, when a lady comes to you and says, Brother, let me show Christ, you're like, hmm, um, that's, that's nice of you. Um, <laughs> that's so, nice. so most guys don't want to learn and be taught by the women. But look at these guys. What made him to shine is that he was even teachable by women. You know? And later, when you read here, after he was being taught more about Christ, he went on to preach um, about Jesus Christ. Then Peter, who's the funny character here, he's the one that was entrusted by Jesus himself to lead his church. You know, he, he's the one when, when Jesus was asking that some, some guys call me this, some guys call me this, who do you call me? Or who do you think I am? And he screamed out and he says, and, and he said, you are the Christ. Then on that confession, Jesus said, I will build my church. You know, uh, you, Peter, I will, I will bless you with that ministry and, and the gifting to go and preach the gospel and take down the kingdom of the darkness. So you will go out and bring more people to me. And we know that Peter is the same guy that denied Christ three times. But then after that, he repented and went and pursued his mission. So when you have such amazing leaders in the church, this should actually mean that this church cannot be divided because these guys can be of great resource in the church or even in the church network. They could be teaching more upcoming men and women who will go out and plant churches. But we see what Paul is suggesting here is that the church in Corinth didn't take it like that. Instead, they were competing and arguing who is the greatest? Who should we follow? Right. So, so later in chapter 3, Paul comes back to this issue. And this is in chapter 3 when he actually tells us why are they behaving like that. So let's quickly read in First Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians chapter three, verse one to two. Paul again says, "Brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready." For you are not ready for it, and even now you are not ready. So, Paul here is using a nursery language. You know, we are so blessed at the moment that we've got so many kids at Rooted. So, my assumption is that we understand what he means by feeding milk and not solids. So, I will do the same. So, Paul is saying to these folks that you, since you received the gospel, you have not grown. He's saying that you've received the gospel of the truth. You should have grown at least since then. But the inner man is still on diapers. That's the necessary language that he's using here. 
So I liked how Oni captured it last week um, in a very profound way. So if you missed out, so there's a small clip here that you will play. With all the knowledge and all the gifts that we have, why still have all this mess that we read about? Why still have all the mess that we experience here in the church? Here's why. You can be filled with incredible knowledge and possess incredible gifts, but still be deeply spiritually immature. Write that down. I'll give you time. You can be incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly knowledgeable, and be incredibly gifted, but still be deeply, 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 deeply spiritually immature. That was heavy, right? But true. So we spoke about this church. It was blessed in all speech and all knowledge and all gifts, but we see men and women still fighting about who to follow. So it's, it's quite interesting that the abundance of knowledge about God doesn't make you grow. Hashtag spiritual obesity. That's not my words. I actually held them from a friend. So you can actually grow in knowledge, but still be an infant in Christ. You know, so, so what you read about, that's where the heart of the issues is, is that, but rather than reading, it's, it's not so much about reading too much or doing too much. It's all about doing what God has revealed to you in scriptures. You know, so most guys, are, I, I know that they study scriptures so that they can be well equipped for debates. And that is a huge flag for spiritual immaturity. So you can have all the knowledge you need, but if the Spirit of God is not using that knowledge to grow you up, I'm sorry to say that the inner man is still on the diapers. So, remember, church, that this local church in Corinth was blessed exceedingly, and they were not lacking anything, literally anything. But immaturity was on display in their lives, day in and day out. And this also caused me to reflect on my own life, because I like to read books a lot. And when I take that book, I don't put it down up until I'm done. If I do put it down, then it's, that's a concern about the book, not me, all right? So, so but I have to look at myself. I'm like, how much do I do from what God is teaching me? And I actually found myself lacking and wanting because I don't do as much as I know. So you actually hear a lot of, of people when you are rebuking them, say, please don't do that, it's wrong. And they say, I know. Right? And when you say, why are you doing it if you know, then you don't get a response. 
That was the issue with the church in Corinth. That's the issue with us. We know too much, but we do little, too, too little. So I actually want you to receive this as encouragement that when you are opening the scriptures, you are opening them up and you are reading, you want to know God. The end goal is not that knowledge. The end goal is the glory of God that in most cases is manifested by you being obedient to what you are learning about or what God is, is teaching you. But of course, if you are puffed up in knowledge of the scriptures, but little is visible on the outworking of that theology, definitely you've missed the point. So you are one of the people in the church that will be causing a lot of quarreling. So don't be. All right? Now, Paul then moves into talking about the signs of immaturity. So I don't want to spend too much time remedying the bad fruits of immaturity. But I do want to highlight them because Paul has made a point to have them in the scriptures. And thanks to the Holy Spirit. So there are two signs that he's mentioning in verse 3. One is jealousy and the other one is strife. Let me use the baby language again. Jealousy is obvious, right? It's jealousy. But strife is a word that we hardly use every day. So I'll, I'll give you an illustration. Remember when you were young and you wanted to borrow that toy and your friend would not give you. That feeling of anger and bitterness in your heart, that is strife. Or maybe you were the other friend that had toys, all right? So when I grew up, I was the other friend that didn't have toys. So if you were the f- friend that had toys, when you happily borrow your friends your toys and they come back as a puzzle, <laughs> the way that you feel is that anger and that bitterness. That is very close to what strife is. And it's very linked into jealousy. Because what we see with this church, like especially we'll get there in, verse, in chapter 12 where it really gets messy, where they're arguing about gifts. You know, not only that they're arguing about who to follow, but we see later in the chapter that they're also arguing about gifts. You know? One had that gift, one had that gift, but they were not happy with their own gifts. So they were, they were trying to see which gift is better. Let me acquire that. But who's giving these gifts? And for what? purpose. And they had already missed that. So what is clear is that when we as rooted also are quarreling about who to follow, we are basically raising a very big flag of immaturity. Because I'll tell you, rooted fellowship is blessed with tremendous leaders. And a lot of them. But then when quarreling is in our midst, regardless of, of our gifting, it is showing that we still have a long way to, to go. Because as Honest said last week, we're very good with hiding behind our gifts while, while we are running and showcasing our immaturity. Okay. So there are a few examples from our church, and of which is the things that we shouldn't be 
quarreling about. The first one is, I always say this one, arguing about songs, you know, which song to sing and which instrument to play. That is immaturity. Refusing to join a certain city group because it is not led by so-and-so. That is immaturity. Always insisting that things be done your way. Frankly honest, my way is the best way. I don't know about you, but when you insist on that, that's immaturity. Not every time your way is the best way. Forsaking your own gifting. Believe me, our church is so gifted. But then when you leave your own gifts because your friend's gift is amazing, in inverted commas, you've missed the point because the Holy Spirit gives us gifts particularly to you and you and you and me for the benefit of all of us. It's not so much for you. So whatever gift your friend has, it's yours. Because the Spirit of God gives us gifts for our benefits. So there's no need to go and rushing after what God has blessed them with. All right. So, so again, we'll talk later about this, this thing about gifts. But some of them is the gift of utterance and wisdom, the knowledge, faith, healing, working with miracles, prophecy, various kinds of tongues. But all of us, all of us, if you've crossed the line of faith, there's a manifestation of the Spirit of God in some way in your life. So there's no need really to be rushing after what God has blessed others. You know, what is next door, I'm talking about in the church, what is next door is yours. Because the Spirit of God has given all these things to us for our benefit. All right. So therefore Paul is really raising this red flag of immaturity. All right, so in chapter 3 later, he says about this arguing over the leaders. He says, God appoints his leaders, you know, and his, these leaders in the church, they're for the benefit of the church. So it does not matter who is leading you. The goal is one, for us to, to be rooted in Christ. You know, these men and women... They are the soldiers of Christ. They are servants of us. Right? But it is God that causes growth. So there's no need for competition. So everything is God's doing. So it doesn't matter who's preaching today. It doesn't matter who's preaching tomorrow. As long as that person is drawing us to Christ, that is the substance. You know? You shouldn't come to church and say, oh man, Bonza is preaching today. He's not going to bring those nice swords and the guns. Um, so, and you shout out to the word of God. Because that happens, right? Preferences tramples the unity in the church. And they even tramples our growth in Christ. Because we, we prefer certain people 
over Christ. Maybe that's too harsh. But then if we rooted in Christ and we come together to hear what God has to say, it doesn't matter who's up here. It doesn't matter who your city group facilitator is. Because the substance is Christ. So, let me ask. Do we need to be divided? Because I hold fast to this theologian and I read and I hold fast to his convictions. And you read that theologian and you hold fast to his or her convictions. Do we have to be divided by that? I'm not going to give the list. I'm so tempted to call all these great men and women, uh, but I'm not going to call that long list of our, our small Christ. Because when we divide ourselves based on what we read, again, we've missed the point. None of these men and women died for us, or they will give us the life that Jesus gave us. But we enjoy because God did something amazing in their lives and they're sharing it with us. So again, all things are ours in Christ. So it doesn't matter who I read. What matters is that what I read does it points me to Christ. So the substance by which the church is founded is built and grows is Christ. Probably I've been saying this for a hundred times. I'm a teacher and I know that when I repeat something, the first time you hear, the second time you, you kind of, okay, the third time you're like, this is serious. <laughs> so let me say it again. The substance by which Christ, the church is founded is Christ. The church is built in Christ and the church is alive and sustained by Christ. So whatever preferences we have, if that tramples over that, we have missed the point. So, so it's not so much about me. It's not so much about you. It's about Christ, his glory, and his glory only. So it's quite sad that we live in a very self-centered times or generation. So you look on TV or on your cell phones, there are so many shows about celebrity lives, right? So, and the, same, and the sad thing is that we've become so phenomenal with following celebrity lives, but we suck in following Christ. We know everything they're doing, where and, and what's next. But man, we know little about what Christ is up to in our own lives. Unfortunately, Jesus is not on Twitter, um, so, so we can't follow him. But when you open your Bible, that's much better than Twitter. By the way, I'm not saying Twitter is bad. Um, I'm just saying that where we invest most of our time, our energy, everything, that shows where our hearts are. So if we call ourselves the followers of Christ, definitely we should be following Christ than anyone else on the internet. Let's go back to chapter 1. 
verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Now, please never answer a rhetorical question, especially if it comes from Paul. What he's doing is that he's emphasizing his appeal in verse 10. When he was saying that, please agree, please have no divisions among yourselves. Live in unity and the same mind. There is one fountain, Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus Christ is our goalpost, is our bullseye. You know, that's what we need to be striving towards. He's the one that died for us. And, and if we miss that, we've missed the point. So I really doubt that in this church, there was much of discipleship happening. Because if they were busy arguing about who to follow, do you think there were people that were pointing others to follow Christ? I even doubt even those that said, I follow Christ, that they were really following Christ. I follow Christ. You know? So maybe, maybe Apollos was the one that was discipling, maybe. I do hope so. So I have been discipled, and I'm still being discipled by men in the church and also in other churches. But there's something tremendous when you start to do what was done to you, when you start to disciple other people. You actually see that the stuff that you're depositing into other people's life, you need it too. So I believe that discipling other people is also one of the God's means of us growing. So you see when you are telling other people to love others and you remember that so and so I have not loved well, that you fall short. And whatever truth you impart on the other person, you, it's like a mirror. You will see that whatever you are saying, you also need it. So that's why discipleship is amazing, that you're not just helping others to grow. You actually grow together. Because they pour into your life and you pour also into their lives. So, so if you are part of a, a city group, I will, I will urge you and advise you to talk to your facilitator if you've never been discipled in your life. Remember, you can't give someone that, something that you've never had. All right? So, so you can talk to them and ask them to disciple you, to show you how you can help others to grow as you also grow alongside them. All right. So then towards the end of our passage, um, in verse 13 to 16, let's read. Paul is continuing here with these rhetorical questions. He says, was Paul crucified for you, or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Then in verse 14 he says, I thank God that I never baptized none, sorry, that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, so that no one may say that you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone. So this is alluding that probably in the church, some people were bragging about how many people they have discipled. 
So Paul here is not nullifying baptism. Not at all. He's just saying that I'm more concerned about disciples over converts. You know, there are people that will preach the gospel to you, become saved, they baptize you, we're done. Right? And, and they take pride in the number of people they have baptized. It could be the case. But Paul goes on to say the most amazing thing that we should be really bringing about if we need to post anything in Christ is that we are discipling people. You know, and it, it even looks like he forgot that he even baptized the household of Stephanus. So he was writing, he was like, oh, also, also I did baptize the household of, of, of Stephanus. This is showing you that it's not something that is ringing in his head all the time. What he's thinking about, we saw his CV earlier, right? He's concerned about where can I go and preach? So, so the amazing thing is that probably he had to baptize the household of Stephanus because they were the first converts in Achaia. So he, he had to come in, preach the gospel, they get saved, and he was going to b- baptize them. But what we see, not even in the life of Paul, but also in the life of John the Baptist and, and, and Jesus, they didn't do most of the baptism. The baptism was actually done by their disciples. And they were so fixed on, on preaching the gospel. They were hands-on. Not that baptism is not as important. No. Jesus himself mandates us to go and baptize people. So, so maybe it's one of the things that we might not agree about, that we don't really have to be baptized by a pastor. So anyone in the presence of the leaders in the church, maybe if you've discipled a friend, you can come to the front and baptize him in the presence of the, of the elders. But the, the primary thing, if we miss, is that if we don't baptize people, we have disobeyed the, the commands of Christ. Now, now let's wrap up. So there are so many ways that we, or many places where we can get how to be united in Christ and how to grow. But I actually want us to look at our passage this morning and take from it. So let's go back to Paul's appeal, Paul's plea. He says in, verse, in chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal by the name of Jesus Christ that all of you agree and that's been no divisions. Now, this doesn't mean that we're supposed to be sheep, right? When one sheep goes that way, if there's no shepherd, they all follow. If one sheep do this, they, they all follow. But what he's talking about is that in the church, we should have the same convictions, you know, the, the same mind. And on the bigger scope of things, we must agree. Maybe on the small things, maybe, we might not agree. So I'll give you an example from our church. We've got what we call our story. Our story, our story is a, an amazing platform where you can come in and hear what we believe God is up to and what we believe as a local church God has called us to. 
And there is where we share what we believe in. And it's on the bigger scope, but about the primary things. So uh, again, if you haven't been part of our story, it would be a good platform for you to go and sign up and hear what Rooted is about, what we believe in, so that we may agree on the bigger things. Not on the small things, but on the bigger things. All right? So we might not agree on how to dress up a church, but that's okay. That's not a major thing. It's important, yes. But by the grace and love that we have in Christ, we'll work it out. We may not agree if women must wear head coverings or not. That's my favorite. Um, major thing? No. No. But if, if there are issues, by the grace of God, we will be able to, to, to be able to deal with that. We might not agree if we have to be baptized in an ocean, in a river, in a swimming pool, in a bathtub, or using a cup. We may not agree. But we must agree on the major thing, which is baptism. All right? Do you get the difference? It's, there is the important and the primary things that are clear in Scripture. But then the small things, which mostly is affected by our, our preferences, that should not divide the church. Okay? So when the secondary things, that has nothing to do with our salvation, when those things divide us, it means that we have missed the point. All right? So that's the first point, how we can actually agree. is by us knowing what our local church believes in, what, is our, what we believe as the local church we have been called to on the bigger scope of the universal church because the scripture is clear about what the church should be about. But the expression of the local church will differ. Then the second one, Paul appeals again, is he appeals by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we be united in the same mind and have same judgment. Again, this must be understood as the, the same framework, the same way of thinking. It's not the sheep mentality. It means that we need to understand what God is about. What is the church? And even what is our small local church here in the city of Pretoria has been called to. Michael, one of the questions on the, on the questions of the day today, let me get it right. He asked about what are the three things that Rooted believes in. Now, if we don't agree in that, then it means that we we or some of us are actually up for quarrels because this is what we believe God has called us to, to do, to be rooted and saturated in scriptures, you know, to, to disciple others and also to embrace, reflect, and enjoy the diversity of our city. That's what we believe we are called to today. So when you know that, and whatever small decision we need to make, it has to fall on that scope. So it's not about agreeing on everything. In fact, disagreements are good. 
But when they go out of hands, they become bad and they can destroy the church or actually divide the church. So, this is my closing remarks. Paul is urging us to, to start eating solids, right? That's the baby language again. We must move on to solids. So if you have been saved yesterday, last week, 10 years ago, and you have not grown or you have not seen growth in your life, this is an encouragement that you, you need to be intentional about growing. As I've said, it's not about reading too much, but like Apollos, we read about Apollos. That man only knew about the baptism of Jesus Christ, the baptism of John. That's what he knew. But in scriptures, we are told that he went out and he was preaching that accurately. So whatever small that God has put in your life, if you're faithful on that, he will help you to grow. So if you're already on solids and you've been discipling people in your life and you've been reading and engaging and being part of bringing more people into the kingdom of God, it's an encouragement again. Keep doing that. Get better. Grow. Because the church needs you. Right? So the same gospel, the same gospel is both milk and solids. So it's by the gospel that we grow. So I really hope that we, we not only feed on the gospel, but also that we, we grow and be faithful in doing what it says. So it's easy. What you've read, do. That's how we grow. So it's not rocket science. All right, so... Let's pray um, and we can re- respond with the last song. So this power is we pray. Father, we thank you. Uh, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Um, our weights may not be enough when we examine our hearts and how much God has, has transformed us. But we know that to you, our words are accompanied by our deeds. They are enough to you. So Lord, this morning we, we thank you for your word, that you've given us your word, and you've given us so many gifts. And some of those gifts, Lord, it's, it's faith, it's knowledge, it's speech. And we pray, Lord, that these gifts that you've given us, that you may grow us through them, Lord, Lord, that's not that we may only sit and read your scriptures and boast in how much we know, how much doctrines we know, how much the Bible we know. But Lord, that's what you've put in our hearts, that we may take that and do it. And we thank you that your, your gospel is not difficult, but it's as simple as doing what you've asked us to do. So God, I do pray for myself I do pray for all of us here, Lord, that we start doing what you command us to do. Because if we don't, we start to, to quarrel because we miss the point. So when we do not grow, Lord, we start to focus on other things but Christ. 
So we thank you for your reminder this morning that we can, we can come to you and ask for forgiveness that we, we have learned so much but we've done so little. So, let, so Lord, help us to respond in our works because you've loved us, not that we, so that we can be loved by you. So Lord, we, we give ourselves to you. We thank you and we praise you. Amen.